0: Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird.
1: I'm Lisa Plain.
0: And today we're going to tell you that you're not too old and you're not too young. Lisa, what do we mean by that? (laughs) It's a good one.
1: (laughs) It is a good one. And it's something that um, you've probably heard before of somebody telling you that you're too old or you're too young. Mm -hmm. We get ingrained with this limiting belief pretty early on in our lives. We hear a lot about ageism, which I will pass back over to you sure. in just a second. But yeah, it's really about just kind of understanding your value and and why it's important to know that you're not too old and not too young is because this is something that can hold you back in your life.
0: Yeah. I want to underline something you just said about value and knowing your value, which definitely doesn't have to be correlated to your age. Like You can let it be super tied in with that, But in a lot of cases, um, I'm thinking right now, just of like how Mozart became a really great composer. Like, I gather was a really great composer as of his early 20s. Part of that's because he started composing when he was like still six or seven years old. But there we go, one of the greatest musical artists in history, still a very young man at the peak of his career. Um, So yeah, I mean, ageism is sort of like this element of conditioning that we have, as you said, that just gets embedded in us early on, gets reinforced along the way. And I think it probably comes, this is my guess, in part because of the fact that we have a natural spread between our age and the age of our parents. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right? So we look up to people who are a certain age. Maybe we have a younger sibling that we grow up looking quote unquote down on. Mm -hmm. And I would be willing to bet that that's probably one of the initial roots of where ageism comes from. Mm -hmm. Do you have any siblings? I'm just curious. Do you, have you experienced that? I have a younger brother. Okay. And did you ever kind of grow up thinking that like that younger brother of yours was just like, not quite as cool as you were?
1: Of course. (laughs) 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 I mean, we've always been great friends, but there was definitely a point in time where I'm pretty sure we played school and I was the teacher and he was the student (laughs) and I'm only three years older than him. So (laughs) there you go right? For sure. Yeah. It's a
0: perfect example. So it's like without even trying, it's something that comes into our lives. And now I think we have to kind of condition ourselves, consciously think about how do we move away from thinking about value being related to age Mm -hmm. so that we can continue to have long careers if we're a little bit older or break out sooner in our careers if we're a bit younger.
1: Yeah. And I think too, that part of it comes from the way that the world was. Mm -hmm. And the way that the world is now, like it's very different back in the early 1900s, 1800s generations were even more different than they are now. Mm -hmm. And so because of the amount of technological change that we've gone through in our lifetimes, that can sometimes play into this generational view of, you know, people who are, older looking at younger people and saying, you don't have the life experience that you need to be able to do well at this job or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And alternately, the younger generation may look at the older generation and say, well, you didn't grow up with the internet. So mm-hmm. you might not be as good at this as I am.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. like it's I'll sort of look at it from a North American perspective. Like my grandparents grew up in World War II. That was the big world of a event of the first half of their lives. And maybe COVID is kind of like a, a different version of that kind of global problem that doesn't necessarily have a defined end to it yet. Like we're kind of living through that phase. Obviously like all of the other technicalities are completely different, mm-hmm. but most of us have not grown up with that reality of wartime. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly people our age, and yeah, just like, I am, <laughs> I look back and on my grandparents and, and reflect on just how different I am and how differently I see the world now it's really normal, I guess, is one of the things I'm trying to get across here. Now it's about like, how do we consciously rewrite the programming that we've got? So like, what are some of the main stereotypes that you think of when you think of, let's start with the older crowd.
1: So telling somebody that they're too old.
0: Yeah. And this is true by the way, whether it's, whether you're looking for a job or you have a job right now and you are trying to figure out, is it time to, time to step out, time to retire, time to hang it up? Because I think that this is true in in both of those contexts, if you're a job seeker or if you're in a role right now.
1: Mm -hmm. So I think that some of the stereotypes are that um, the older generation can't pick up technology as quickly. (laughs) Um, that they can't make a change in their life because there's only so much time left. Mm. Those are two that come up fairly often with the clients that I work with.
0: That's a great point. And the only reason I chuckled there is because I just flashed back to this tweet that I read about how a baby boomer making $170,000 couldn't rotate a PDF. And <laughs> obviously that that was true for that person, but you don't have to be that way you can adapt and change with the times. And I think about like the head of the organization I work in, in my day job, she's probably in her early to mid seventies. And she sent me an email this afternoon from her cell phone. I'm pretty sure of that. (laughs) So like check, 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 able to stay on top of it, understand people of my generation and considering I work in a school is able to also remain connected to the people, of Generation Z, like a generation that's younger than me. I don't want to say a generation below me, but the the younger, the youngest of crowds right now.
1: Mm-hmm. How about you? What stereotypes have you heard?
0: Yeah, so I think more on the on the edge of sort of not so much politics, but how do you see the world socially, um, and how how do you operate within a company? Like, do you have a more conservative, less progressive viewpoint on a lot of things? I remember the place I worked at throughout my 20s had a slightly older uh, head of organization. And while there there was definitely a desire to be progressive, it didn't always translate in terms of execution. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think he got a lot of things done in his time toward the end of his career by empowering people who were a bit younger, who were a bit more on that progressive edge, socially to kind of start to reshape the way that, that the organization thought about a lot of things. And in a school, that's really big because we're talking about, you know, shaping young people when they're very, very malleable in their thinking. And so, yeah, I think that just, he was able to be aware of the fact that he was kind of an older white male and then was able to check himself in a lot of ways and then push other people to sort of take the lead on some of the things that he was less confident in dealing with which I think was a huge, huge, um, just a huge plus on his part at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. You kind of touched on a point there around um, just kind of understanding another generation mm-hmm. in that, you know, these are, these are stereotypes that come up, but a lot of times it's, it's a lack of communication or a lack of understanding of the worldview of the other person.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. So when I think about in a situation like that, where there's an older generation head of a company, their worldview, like they grew up in a completely different time than we're living in. Mm -hmm. And the more that you can understand that and be compassionate towards that, the more you'll see the value in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of going back to the value piece.
0: Yep. And you've hinted at something that I think is, really important for younger people to to consider and that's just you talk about lacking the compassion lacking self-awareness is probably what I would add to that when you like i think of myself when i was in my early 20s no self-awareness <laughs> basically <laughs> and it's something that has taken me a lot of time but if you start to consciously think about it from an earlier age, I think you have a greater chance of developing strong self-awareness early in your career, which allows you to connect with people who might be your older boss or an older colleague or whatever. Mm
1: -hmm. That's
0: just something that like, if you want to overcome the stereotypes, be the opposite of the stereotype. If you want to stand out from your peers who are pegged as being a certain way, like literally do the opposite of what society has in mind when they think of someone like you.
1: Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
0: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I often see some pretty like unprofessionally written emails coming out of people who are in generation Z and sometimes in generation Y and sometimes in older generations too, but very commonly in a younger crowd, that's just not used to communicating in like a professional or work environment. And I will often, kind of, you know, empathize as much as I can in, in the sense of like I, I remember what it was like when I was in your position. Now that you're in this, you know, new world, this new space, maybe you've gone from being a student to being a working professional. Give the, give it some thought how you might be coming across to other people right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to achieve a certain thing and it's really hard for me to take you seriously.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That can be mm-hmm. tough feedback, obviously, to deliver and to hear. But I do believe that that's sort of at the, at the root of the journey of growing your self-awareness is being able to, to acknowledge those kinds of lessons when they come your way.
1: That's a great point. Yeah. And I think too that when you are trying to make yourself the opposite of the stereotype, so if you're dealing with an, an older stereotype mm-hmm. and you're trying to make yourself so let's say it's technology. You mm-hmm. take a class or you get somebody to teach you the technology that you're not sure of. You can learn them. I think that the yes. one of the biggest things that holds people back is thinking that people's view of them is the truth. Yes. So people think that I can't undertake technology or learn technology, so I can't. But in reality, there's plenty of people who have learned technology at A variety of ages Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that is a great point like we can let other people's beliefs and thoughts sort of reinforce or even replace our own like our own natural thought and belief in ourselves um but yes you're you're on to the point about like don't stop learning how to fish like i know (laughs) hope I don't catch flack for this, but my, my girlfriend is very, very helpful at helping her grandmother with some technical issues and occasionally gets the odd tech support phone call. And that's cool. She's more than happy to help out. Um, and while she solves the problem, um, you know, in, in an appropriate amount of time and to the best of her ability, I'm not totally sure that she ever succeeds quite as much as she'd like to in teaching her grandmother how to remain you know, in touch and in control of the electronic devices in her world. And it's not, I'm not blaming her. I think there is sort of a hesitance to continue to learn how to be a Fisher person. Mm. Is that a gender neutral term for Fisher man? I'm not sure. But in any case, my point is that um, as we get older, our ability to continue to adapt has to also not pass by the wayside. Like we have to be willing to continue to learn.
1: Absolutely. And even from my own perspective. I somebody recently was saying a bunch of slang terms that are new to the twenty mm-hmm. somethings right now and <laughs> I had I had no idea what they were talking about to be perfectly honest with you. Yep, I've
0: and, that and part it, too.
1: Yeah, it made me feel a certain way, but um you know I could look at that and say, oh I don't ever want to learn any of these terms. These are different than what I know. Or I could embrace it and say, well, that's interesting. I wonder how this will progress and if I need to use it in my own life. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like seeing value in the different approaches that people can take to communicate, I think is a really critical point there because you can sort of, like when I say that people are sending me unprofessional emails, I'm talking about emails that are like like incomplete sentences and you've punctuated it three or four times, like instead of one question mark, there's five. It's like, but to then go out and just sort of notice the intent behind the communication, I think is really important to just not go so hard after the execution, but really start to look at people through the lens of what, what were they trying to get done here?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I just want to, Stay on the older generation for just a minute because I think that a lot of people say, I'm too old to change careers. I'm too old to get a new job. I'm too old to whatever that might be. And there are so many examples of people who are not too old to do it. There's a great story of an actor who started acting when he was 70 and he ended up winning an Oscar for work that he did. He didn't, he wasn't an actor his whole life. He just decided to jump into it. And I think that that's really cool. My, in my own family, my mom recently decided to, she was an event planner and she decided to go back and get her Pilates certification. And now cool. she's a Pilates instructor. And so somebody like she might have said, I'm too old to change careers or, or find what I'm really enjoying now because Just because we enjoy something when we're in one phase of our lives doesn't mean that that thing is going to continue for the rest of our lives. So being open to change and being adaptable is so important. Mm -hmm.
0: The openness part really resonates for me. And I think it's a choice that we can make and can continue to make throughout our lives to just be open to doing things in either a different or a cutting edge or yeah, just slightly unusual way sometimes. I'm thinking about someone I met a couple of years ago, a gentleman probably in his late 60s, early 70s now. And he had a career, I think, in like either international business, international finance, kind of traveled the world, met his wife in Hong Kong, who is from Paris originally. This guy is from Arkansas, by the way. So to kind of put those two accents into your head and, and gel them together into a relationship that you, it was really amazing. He, when he was 55, went back to school and became a medical doctor. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess he probably made all the money he ever wanted to make in his life. He was done the business career (laughs) and he decided, you know, this is, this is where I want to go right now with the time that I have left. And so just like a really cool dude, kind of just, you know, do it like playing life to the beat of his own drum. And I think that comes from being really open-minded about who you are and what you can be.
1: Yeah. And just to solidify that point, mm-hmm. anything is possible. Yes. I know that people say that and you might brush it off. I know I did for a while. It's like, yeah, anything's possible, whatever, but it's actually true. If you want to be a medical doctor at 55, you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just, if you want to, Yep. <laughs>
0: Yeah. You got to start chipping away at that mountain. If you want to move it around, it's um, the thing that is kind of unfortunate is that there is, there are a lot of forces in our lives that say like, we should be a certain way. And
1: mm-hmm. I think when
0: you are surrounded by people who are kind of reinforcing that, then it can be hard to break that programming and rewrite yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
0: think if you're kind of struggling right now to, to refocus and re define your identity. There's a bit of a, there's a community aspect involved. Surround yourself with people who inspire you who are like the person that you'd like to become. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who came out with this line, but it's like you're the average of the top five people you associate yourself with. And maybe there's a call right here to change who you're around. If you feel like you are hooked on this identity, that's no longer serving you.
1: Yeah. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about the younger stereotypes. You've mentioned one of them
0: for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm wondering are young person stereotypes, are they reinforced by the fact that you see a lot of young people on TV and in the media, a lot of pro sports, a lot of young celebrities, their lives kind of get like glorified and sometimes the not so pretty parts of their lives really get reinforced. And so I think that's part of where young Mm -hmm. person stereotypes come from. Um, I mean, some people, go through their lives and they develop a sense of, of kind of arrogance, cockiness, entitlement. And I read recently in Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, just an amazing author, an amazing book. The idea of a lot of successful people have been raised to be entitled. And I want to pause kind of as Gladwell did in the book and say that like, that is not um, inherently as negative a word as often people think of it as it's the idea around like taking a situation in your life and customizing it to your needs. And a lot of people develop that sense of like, I can change the way something is happening right now so that it is a better fit for me. And they go, they go too far with it. Like the entitlement that we think of normally is people who have like completely disregarded other people and have warped reality and made it really hard for other people to approach them. Mm. So getting a sense of how you may be pushing people away and remaining really humble and open to other people's points of view. You might still be able to, to customize situations as a young person, the way you've been raised, but to understand that you a probably won't win them all, all the battles that you encounter in life and b that's okay. Like you don't have to always win.
1: Yeah. That's a great point.
0: Yeah. That's a big one there for young people. I think that, I can think of when I was probably in my like late teens was probably very true for me. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think that a lot of young people also carry the pressure with them of needing experience. I know that this is something that I've heard a lot Mm -hmm. when people are getting into the job market, they don't have any experience and it seems like all the jobs want experience. (laughs) And so from that sense, as a young person, you might look at that and say, oh, I'm too young. I'm starting at the beginning. I don't have enough experience to get X job. I shouldn't apply. Yeah. Yeah. Or when you're in a company and you're the new person and you're the youngest person on the team, you might hold yourself back from speaking up or sharing your ideas because you feel like they're not as valid as other people's.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You, you don't want to rock the boat or you just don't want to stick your neck out yet because you don't know if it will be chopped off or not by someone older possibly. Yeah. And then it goes, it goes right back to just like, how, how do you see yourself adding value to that situation? And hopefully you are in a situation where the people who've hired you do see your value and they're open to hearing it, and they'll, they'll sort of reinforce and, and re-empower you to continue to share, you know, your, your thoughts and, and bring your real voice to the table. Um, but even but if it, they're not so normal, even if they're not, yes,
1: exactly. And I think that for both young and older, it's, you know, it goes back to trial and error that we talked about. You have to be mm-hmm. willing to put your neck out a few times and show that you are interested in learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you sit back and don't say anything and don't ask questions or don't undertake things that aren't comfortable to you, people will think that you don't want to because that's what you're coming off as.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so much trust can be built in the recovery from an error or quote-unquote mistake, failure, setback, however you want to look at it. The idea that if you view something that is maybe objectively negative to your company um, as a chance to learn and people see you learning from it, which I think is what you're alluding to, Mm -hmm. then yeah, their, their belief in you and the future you that's coming, learning from all of these things goes up. Like you raise your stock as you continue to learn and recover.
1: Yeah. Nobody expects anybody to be perfect. People will, criticisms can sometimes come across as people wanting you to be perfect, but In reality, if you take that feedback as a learning experience, you're never going to be stuck.
0: Yes. Basically,
1: and instead of looking at it as criticisms or failure, you see it as a learning and growth potential experience.
0: Totally, yeah. It is so much about like, how do you perceive your reality and how do you perceive yourself? And if you get caught up, whether you're older or younger, like if you are projecting that insecurity of, I am too old or I am too young, it's funny the things that you will start to say that draw people's attention to that. Um, I -hmm. I mean, fun story, I guess. I mean, most people don't know uh, that I coach football for a very long time without having played it. And there was maybe a time in my earlier life where I didn't—I I told people like I haven't played, et cetera, et cetera—and eventually I just stopped talking about that fact, and people just started looking at me as as a coach, like they—they they didn't. There was no asterisk on that, and so as I moved away from kind of attaching my identity to where I was coming from, other people kind of went along for the ride and bought into who I saw myself as. I
1: yeah, think that's, that's a really a key point. takeaway.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I felt that a little bit too when I was starting out in my finance career. I was often the youngest person on the team and wasn't too sure how to get my voice heard or to interject at times, but just doing it and not talking about it, not saying, Oh, I'm, I know I'm new, but Mm -hmm. when you, when you start it that way, it sets it up differently. Whereas if you just say, I was, I had a thought, I was thinking about this idea, and I wanted to just run it by you. It, it makes a huge difference.
0: Totally. Yep. You made me flash back to our episode with David Mendoza, where he mentioned how a lot of newcomers to Canada or any given place where they're at in the world often will start by saying, "Like, excuse mm-hmm. my English. It's it's really not very good yet." And he quite firmly coaches people to get away from that habit to stop reinforcing that mindset and to start looking at just how you're going to get better every day, naturally, like focus on that instead. Mm -hmm. If you were to say one thing or two things, maybe more to younger Lisa in that situation that you're talking about, what would you say?
1: If I were talking to younger Lisa in that scenario, it's don't be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. Just try things out, keep pushing and the reason that people bring in younger people is for their different perspective. Companies evolve for a number of reasons. And I actually took when I did an HR, I did my undergrad in HR and I went to a conference about intergenerational value Mm -hmm. and how having different perspectives on a team can be extremely helpful as long as it's done in a win-win way. Mm -hmm but whether you're older or whether you're younger, knowing that you are bringing value to the table. So in the younger perspective, you have new knowledge that and new, a new worldview than some people that you might have, might've been at the company for 10 years. Alternate to that, if you're older and you've been at the company for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, you know that company like the back of your hand. Mm-hmm. So the value that you bring is that institutional knowledge that yeah. learning that you've gained over so much time? So, regardless of where you're at on the spectrum, you have value.
0: Bingo, <laughs> yeah, that's really like at the heart of this episode. You're not too old, you're not too young, you have value. I think is probably the correct, the best end to that sentence that we could probably conceive of. Yeah, it's just, are you? willing to see it, because if you can see it, others will too. So Love that. Cool. Anything else that you want to add on this topic? No. No?
1: Pretty much it. How about you?
0: I want to pull a quick paragraph from this article. And this article was written in the New York Times Magazine about six years ago. And it's just this amazing set of like portraits of people who are in their eighties and nineties. And I was obviously, I was a bit younger. I was in my twenties as I was reading this and I was fascinated by it. So I think whether you're a bit older in your life or a bit younger, you can find value in this message. Um, But here's a paragraph that is in it. It's actually a quote from T.H. White, who is a British uh, novelist, wrote a book called The Once and Future King, which featured King Arthur with Merlin the wizard. And Merlin is saying to, at the time, the young Prince Arthur, you may grow old and trembling in your anatomies. You may lie awake at night, listening to the disorder of your veins. You may miss your only love. You may see the world about you devastated by evil lunatics or know your honor trampled in the sewers of baser minds. There's only one thing for it then, to learn. Learn why the world wags and what wags it. That is the only thing which the mind can never exhaust, never alienate, never be tortured by, never fear or distrust, and never dream of regretting. Cool, eh?
1: Really cool.
0: Let's close it on that. For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird.
1: I'm Lisa Plain.
0: We hope you're well, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now.